Good morning, everybody, and welcome. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8, or 88, right across the Faith FM network, which is right across Australia. This is The Breakfast Show, Positively Different Radio, and you are with Lyle and... Mon. Welcome back, Mon. Thank you very much. It's good to be back. How are you feeling today? I, f- I feel a lot better. I, I just, um, I do, you know, I swallowed a Siberian dog, so I'm sounding a little husky. <laughs> but <I'm> s- <laughs> yeah, oh, but it's, it's, it's wonderful to be back because I tell you what, being sick for a week is super boring. <laughs> <laughs> and you've missed our company. I know. Yeah, I've missed you guys as well, which sucks. Yeah. But thanks for sending Mon in some nice messages. Yes, thank you to all my Facebookers who uh, who sent me some lovely messages. Really appreciate that. It's been very sweet. Um, but hey, Lyle, what are you grateful for this morning? I'm grateful you're back. What do you think oh, I'm grateful? For? That's, that's obvious. So sweet. Have my co-host back again. Although I'm, the other the other the other girls have been doing a fantastic oh, job. Such Taryn a good and Claire job. and Gia, mm. just amazing. Do you know what? I'm going to put what I'm grateful for this morning up on Facebook because, like, to be honest, I kept thinking about you know every day what I was grateful for while I was sick so I have a massive back catalogue of gratitude <laughs> but then I, I was walking to work this morning and I saw the sunrise and I was like I think that actually just trumps everything it was so beautiful there was like half fog over the city and half sunrise over the city I had to st- stop and take some pictures so I'm going to put those pictures up on Facebook as we speak um, but you might have seen a different sunrise dear listener that's right and Mon you might be feeling better than what you're feeling right now it's absolutely true. Because By the time this goes to air. Yeah. This is the delayed broadcast. It is indeed. And so if you would like to listen to the live show, of course, and participate in all the fun that takes place on the live show and give us a call in for the quizzes and get the free offers and all that kind of stuff, how do you do that, Mon? It is actually super easy. There's two ways that you can do it. One, you can just jump on our website. It's faithfm.com.au and just press play on the live stream. Or if you want to get a bit more um, efficient about it, you can download the TuneIn app. Hmm, which is how the, is my favourite way of listening yeah, to Faith it's FM. It's really great. You just you just download that. You search for Faith FM Australia, um, and then you just press play, and you can stick it in your favourites list. It's it's free to download, and it works wonderful. That's how I listened to the show um, while I was sick. So, mm. yeah. Okay, so coming up in today's show, we're going to have quite a controversial mm, um, conversation topic. about mm-hmm. abortion. Mm-hmm. And, of course, that has just been passed through uh, Ireland. And so that's coming up. We've got also some, uh, yeah, some other, some really heartwarming stories that are going to uh, be in relationship to that as well. And I'm going to pick on Mon for the year in which she was born. And Lyle's going to lose the quiz card. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we know all these things are coming up. Anyway, stay tuned. We've got some great programming right after this. He doesn't fill me like he's supposed to fill me Something is missing, my heart is still aching He doesn't fill me like he's supposed to fill me Something is missing, my heart is still aching She said I
doesn't fill me like she's supposed to fill me Something is missing, my heart is still aching She doesn't fill me like she's supposed to fill me Something is missing, my heart is still aching He said I everybody that was uh, Melissa Otto with Complete Me here on Faith FM and of course we are welcoming uh, Monica back this morning it's uh, super good to have Mon here as part of the show again thank you but we are protecting her voice a little bit because (laughs) (laughs) it's not that strong yet but uh, she is definitely getting there okay so for our quiz today guess what Mon I'm going to do the quiz thank you I appreciate it just gonna um, (laughs) yeah take as much of much of your load as I can but uh, this one is obscure. Of course it would this be. This one is uh, a What Am I? Mm-hmm. And it says Zephaniah chapter 1 verse 12. So that actually makes it rather easy to find the answer. But you, you normally read Zephaniah once a day, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like one of those books we read all the time, yeah, isn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah. It's, oh my <laughs> when God. was the last time you read Zephaniah? <laughs> I can't even remember. I, I admit it, it's not on my speed dial list. <laughs> <laughs> Zephaniah is an awesome book of the Bible, so here's your homework for today. Read all three chapters of it. It won't take you too long. But anyway, it tells of a day when the Lord will search Jerusalem with these and punish the complacent. Ooh. So, Mon, you should know the answer to this one. Come on. It's something he uses to search with. Uh-huh. So is it like a Google? Uh, <laughs> no, the answer is not Google. Okay, if you think you know the answer, you can give us a call. What's the number again? Okay, I've got. To, I've been told I've got to say this slowly. One eight hundred three eight 
It's 1-800-FAITH-FM. Yeah, that one's easy. Or simply text us on 0491-064-669 or send us a message on Facebook. Now, Mon, I have a story to tell you. Oh, you do? I have a a very cool story. Okay, so um, I was away, as you all know, um, and up the coast raising money for 14 brand new transmitters Mm -hmm. that we are in the process of buying by God's grace. And if you'd like to contribute to that, then you you know what our numbers are one eight hundred Faith FM. And um, these have these have just recently become up to come up for sale. But I travelled to some churches that are in those areas mm. to, uh, to to raise some money. So on Friday evening, I was staying in a little motel. Now I don't have fancy taste when it comes to motels. It's just a bed. It's just so long as it's clean and the roof doesn't leak. I am a pretty happy person. Um, I can snuggle up in there as snug as a bug in a rug, and all I'm doing is sleeping, so I don't have to. Yeah, you know, I don't anything yeah. fancy. So it's yeah. like mm-hmm. it's like two, three star, something like that. Mm-hmm. It's got a view out over the river, which is kind of nice. Uh, it's a, it's an old building. Um, it's a, it's a single row of motel units. Uh, there's probably twelve of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, decor inside is probably you know 50, 60 years old, that kind of thing. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So you get the picture, right? Yeah, yeah, got it. Okay. But it was clean, and the and the people were friendly. Anyway, I'm chatting to the people who were staying in the room next door to me. Oh. So they're just just friendly people, and we're ch- chatting away, having a, a good conversation together. And uh, and the wife says, oh, yes, we're here to celebrate our 50th wedding anniversary. Oh, bless. 50 years. And I'm thinking to myself at that particular instance, you came here? For your 50th? <laughs> you didn't go to a fancy... Yeah, for a 50th, you just go on a cruise or yeah, something or other, yeah, right? Go you know? uh-huh. Go all out. And uh, and here they are in this very, very basic little motel. I'm thinking, you know, they're driving a nice car and all. And I'm thinking, what? this just doesn't add up. It's like, why are you here? <laughs> and she said, yes, we came here and we are staying in exactly the same room that we spent our wedding night in oh, 50 years ago. That is so sweet. Isn't that just awesome? I was just like, wow, that's special. And probably a bit more of a fancier hotel 50 years ago than it is now. <laughs> <laughs> probably. And they were, well, they were, they were 19 and 20 years old when they were got married and so they probably didn't have much money. And so that how, was... Um, how long have you been married now? 24. So how how old will you be when you when you reach fifty years of marriage? I will be what seventy two. Okay, so that's within your within your reach. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, nice. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, if the Lord doesn't return, that's definitely something I am aiming for. Well, <coughs> I hope you invite me to your to your wedding. And well, how there's a party? There's a party. Yeah, that, that, and these yeah. people are having a big party and having you know all their family and friends over uh, later. But for for the actual anniversary night, they went to the very room that they. Um, that they started in all those years ago, which I thought was a really nice, sweet story. That's very sweet. Well, speaking of sweetness and kindness, I just want to say g'day and thank you to Ian Howell, Kylie Harvey and Pissing Harwell, who all sent me beautiful messages on Facebook to get better Mm. soon. Because you're here at Faith FM now where you can actually check the Facebook (laughs) and see what's going on. I have figured out the Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) You don't have Facebook. I don't have Facebook. But do you know what? That's, uh, That's a little bit about my story today. Um, I have some good news, but first it's going to start with a bit of bad news, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so while I was sick, there was not really much I could do or that I was, you know, in in a state of mind to do. Mm-hmm. Um, 
uh, even crocheting. <laughs> <laughs> really? I know. I was so You must upset. have been really, yeah. really ill I, if you couldn't crochet. I had a whole crochet. week and I had nothing to do. I didn't even crochet. Afterwards, I was so annoyed. I was like, man, I could have like crocheted so many blankets. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I, yeah, the the one thing that I did do was I, I, um, I would often just flick through Instagram um, and uh, I watched a couple of like travel documentaries, but I was, and I read a couple of news articles and this one is about uh, binge watching TV and it's about the negative um, impact that it has on your health, mm-hmm. which is not, you know, to be honest, a huge surprise yeah. because, you know, if you, if you look at what binge watching is, you know, it's a lack of physical activity. Oh, and it's like, well, sitting down to begin with is like yeah, smoking. Exactly. And then there's the, uh, there's the harmful effects of ex- excessive um, screen time blue light because you know all the blue light that comes off a screen mm-hmm. um, and then <laughs> and then funnily enough overdulging un- in unhealthy foods while watching because you know often snacking goes hand in hand with binge watching um, but I I was quite surprised by um, what is considered binge watching so I wanted to ask you how like if you're thinking of like a television program right television mm-hmm. show how many episodes do you think you would have to watch before you actually entered like a binge zone, three. Wow, just that's very modest. It it actually is exactly that. Three to four episodes in one day. Yep, is considered binge watching. Yep, I know for myself. If I watch three, I feel like I am your, binge watching. Your brain turns to putty. Yeah, absolutely yeah. much. Which is surprising because I think a lot of people be like, "What three or four? That's just a lunchtime break." <laughs> like, <laughs> no, no, that's episodes. Yeah, episodes. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the equivalent of. Uh I don't know, one and a half movies, would it be? Yeah, I mean, I guess it obviously depends on, on, um, on the length of the program. But I would have thought a lot. I would have thought like six to 12, somewhere in there, would have been the binge watching. It's like a season. 12 I, is getting towards a season. Well, I mean, depends on the television program, obviously. But um, yeah, so this, um, so this, new, this uh, health report is saying that um, people really need to, need to sort of engage a bit more, you know, with realising how much they've had. A bit like binge drinking. You need to sort of like count your drinks and realise when you've had enough, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, P.S. drinking, any drink is too much. Um, and, uh, and binge watching can actually really affect people's uh, sleeping patterns, which, you know. We've been talking about that quite yeah, a bit lately. Yeah, sleep. You is know what I did last? I did a stupid thing last night. What did you do? You stayed up late. I stayed. I stayed up late, and then I checked my screens Uh-oh. before I went in in bed Uh-oh. before I shut the light out. No, and bad then I idea. just uh, I've I've I have particularly got out of the habit of doing that because I found out how bad it is for your sleep. Yeah, it really and, is. And I did it last night for the first time in a fair while, mm-hmm. and it just messed up my sleep. Well, the doctors who wrote this article they're suggesting. Um, you know, you need to. I mean, because because binge watching has a, a negative effect on your on your immune system. They're suggesting. Do you know what? If you're going to watch a bunch of TV, um, do it with another activity so that it it gives a, a time space. So, like for example, do it when you exercise. So, if, you know, instead of sitting there watching TV, get on your treadmill or on like a stationary bike and uh, with this, your iPad. This was this was a woman who um who recommended this right that was yeah that was a female doctor yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. and then at least you're because being <laughs> we men can't do that that's, multi, that's called multitasking <laughs> at least then you can like be active but i uh, coming along with this um i'm just gonna tell you very quickly about this they've actually designed a new app for your smartphone that is just there to break your addiction to your smartphone and i was fine that when i was sick i actually got really into instagram again like to the point where i would like every time i like wasn't 
you know, lie in bed or go into the bathroom or get a drink, I'd just be like automatically reaching for my phone. And uh, and so this is a this is an app called Siempo, S-I-E-M-P-O. And what it does is um, it removes all the distractions and pop-ups and alerts and just has them come through all at once at one designated time. Oh, that's a really good Yeah, really so good because, app. you know, often when I get like an alert come through on my Instagram, I open my Instagram and I not only check the alert, but I spend like 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes looking at everything else. Mm-hmm. And so this, it like, you know, 3 p.m. every day, say, if that's what you scheduled it for, that's where you get all your alerts. So you only do like 10 minutes of scrolling there. I want this app. I'm yeah. going to get this Siempo. app. Yeah. yeah. Help you break your addiction. We're going to have a quick song break. This is Marlita Fong We Stand By Me. Stand by me 
My Lady Fong with Stand By Me here on Faith FM and we are back again with another clue for our quiz. It kind of feels weird for me to be giving out clues (laughs) for the quiz. Okay, so the the, 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 the quiz question says there are seven of these in the holy place. So that one makes it a bit easier, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. I think there's only one thing that there's seven of in the holy place. Let's not talk about it anymore just in case you give it away. (laughs) I have not done that since the last time. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Mon, so you've got some explaining to do this morning. Oh, no. Yes. Oh, no. Did you know that 50% of men born in 1984 have had a run-in with the law? 50% of these have had a run-in with the law. Mm -hmm. Of 1984. Hey, that's a good vintage, that. (laughs) (laughs) A vintage full of crims. Did you also know that the uh, <coughs> that the third um, highest profession for psychopaths is a radio show host? Are you serious? So, Mon, what year were you born? 1984. And what do you do for a living? I'm a radio show host. <laughs> so, what does this say about you, I'm Mon? a criminal mastermind. <laughs> you busted me. I run the show. <laughs> the underworld, I'm telling you. <laughs> no, I just, well, I thought that was very interesting. So, um, it is very. I need you to shoot me that link so I can read <laughs> Yeah, okay. So, the top, uh, your top 10 is, um, and this one actually worries me a little bit but the top 10 is ceo lawyer uh radio or tv um host personality salesperson surgeon uh journalist police clergy chef (laughs) or civil servant and your lowest is um a care assistant a nurse a therapist a craftsperson a beautician hairdresser a charity worker a teacher a creative artist um and something that i've written down there that i can't even read my own writing and the last one's an accountant Wow. So an accountant is the person who is the least likely to be a psychopath. Wow. And a CEO is the most likely. That's some, um, do you know what? I'm sure there's a lot of people right now doing their morning to you going morning commute going, yep, that's my boss. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, a psychopath is not somebody who is necessarily going to go out and just start committing mass murder. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, there's people that lack empathy and, you know, some of the... Have a bit of a personality disorder. Yeah, a bit of a personality disorder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, most interesting, um, very interesting research coming through there. I wonder which radio hosts they interviewed to get that. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. well, the other thing interesting about 1984 is the there's actually you're actually off the hook because um, 50% of men, but only 15% of women. Okay, well that's good. Which is generally reflected across the board, um, and so for those who are incarcerated, it was 13% Aboriginal, mm-hmm. uh, 4.2% men, and less than 0.5% women that actually uh, ended up in jail. Okay. Um, which just sort of bears out the, uh, the high-risk uh, nature of men. You know, men just live a high-risk life. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, this was um, in Australia. These are Australian statistics okay, that we're wow. talking about here and Australian research. But um, That's a little bit sad. I wonder, you know, which of my um, school schoolmates have wound up in prison at some point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 4.2% of uh, men on average. 
But anyway, <coughs> okay, so the uh, big story today coming out of today is the um, the vote in Ireland to support uh, mass murder. Yeah, I've been a little bit, um, as you can imagine, a little bit off the grid. So, and I, But I did hear something about... Um, Something happening in Ireland, something big happening in Ireland. What, what's going on? They had a referendum, referendum to decide whether um, in, in favour or not of abortion. So this is obviously a deeply Roman Catholic country mm-hmm. that has a long-standing tradition against abortion mm-hmm. um, and always favouring the life of the child over the life of the mother. Mm-hmm. So even if the mother's life was at risk, they would save the life of the child rather than the life of the mother. Okay. Because in Roman Catholicism, the mother can be saved because she's been baptized, but you, the child can't be saved unless you can get it out alive and then baptize it. They have the priest standing there ready to baptize it before it dies so that they can both be saved. Do you agree with that? Of course not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no. Absolutely not. This is, this is you know, what kind of a God do we serve? It's like, yeah, that's great. I got to keep that one out of heaven because um, they didn't get to sprinkle water on it quick enough. Yeah, that's ridiculous. It is. It is. It's a terrible, terrible teaching. And, of course, now it has predictably swung the opposite direction. So now they've just voted in favor of mass murder. Mm-hmm. Uh, so long as, you know, these kids aren't in school and haven't been born and so forth, you can commit mass murder. Which is like, it's not, it's funny how human nature does that. You know, we have one extreme and instead of balancing it out, we swing out to the other extreme. Yeah, exactly. It's like, okay, if it's only a bump and you can't see its face, you're allowed to kill it. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's not. It, It just, it just, it just staggers me. And one of the things that staggers me is the great crowds of people celebrating in the streets that they can now kill babies. Mm. That they weren't allowed to before, but now they can, and and these are all women. You know, would, you would think that a woman's heart would be just softened towards babies, and particularly unborn babies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, there's a monumental day for women in Ireland. Orla O'Connor, co-director of the uh, Together for Yes group, said, and I'm thinking a monumental day for women. It's a monumental day for babies who are you know, in a bad way, yeah, because uh, now they don't have the right to life anymore. Um, she continues on, for all the years and years and years we've been trying to look after women and not been able to look after women, this means everything, she said. And I say, that's great, we should be looking after women, but we should be looking after babies as well. What about the babies? Why isn't anybody talking about babies? Why are we only talking about women and not talking about babies? You mm. know, babies are defenseless, particularly unborn babies. Mm-hmm. Um Oh, there's, yeah, there's so many uh, things here. We're trying to get rid of the stigma of having abortion. There's nothing wrong with going out and having a few drinks and crying because it's been so hard to watch. Okay, so that's how you deal with the death of a child. You have a, you have a bit of a cry, you have a few drinks, and you move on because you just killed the baby. That's sickening. That's unrealistic. That's absolutely sickening. unrealistic. And what it comes down to is this. It all comes down to choice. That's what it's all about. Mm-hmm. Because they're like, oh, yeah, we're pro-choice. You know what their choice is? They are choosing to be able to go out, have a few drinks, and choosing to live a frivolous lifestyle, mm-hmm. accidentally get pregnant, and then kill their babies. You know, we can talk about um, children that are, um, you know, situations of rape and these kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Those are extremely rare situations when it comes to abortions. Mm-hmm. And, and, and even in those kinds of situations, I think of uh, I know that one of your favourite human beings was somebody who was born as the yep. as the as the result of rape. Yeah, that's true. And uh, you know, think of all of the beautiful people that there are in the world. I think of the uh, you know the secretary here at the North New South Wales Conference who has 
two children that were that he adopted and they're just the most beautiful mm. children you'd ever come across. They're just amazing kids. Actually, that person that you're referring to is not the only person I know who is um, you know, the result of a rape. I actually have um several really good friends. One of my best mates is actually um, you know, she describes herself as a rape baby, mm-hmm. which is maybe not the nicest uh, phrase to use. But um yeah, it, it is a tragic way to, to conceive life, but life nonetheless. And, and precious life. Yeah, exactly. So, um, and I think it's really sad that, that, you know, when you started this, this conversation just now, um, the way it was phrased, you know, they choose one or the other. They choose the mother over the baby or the baby over the mother. And I'm like, why do you have to choose either? Like, why? Yeah. You know, yeah. could you not just have both? Like, that's we obviously should fight for both. Yeah, and of course, you know, I, I do believe that we should. Um, if if um, you know, you, you try and keep both alive as much as possible, but um, the life of the child um, is sorry, the life of the mother. Um, it's funny because you know humans are always looking for an opportunity <coughs> somewhere to be a hero and speak for those who can't speak for themselves, and here we have one. And instead of you know champ- championing babies who can't fight for themselves, we're killing them off. If you've got a, 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 a an opinion on this, please give us a call one eight hundred three two four eight four three. We would love to hear from you. But we do need to move on. Uh, this is Sierra Hull with Trust and Obey. do his good will. 
Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8, or 88, depending on where you are. And we have in the studio with us Andrew McDonough. 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 Okay, I was just looking at that and thinking, how do I actually... My Scottish is not very good. I think it's Irish, Lyle. I've just insulted all of the Scottish people. I thought all of the mix were from... I guess they're from that part of the world, don't they? Uh, I, I'm not quite sure, and we've been out here quite a few generations, and it gets a bit hazy after 1900, so okay. I don't quite no. know. We're just, we're just going to run with Andrew the Aussie, is that okay? That sounds okay An- by Andrew, me. Andrew the Aussie is fine, yes. that's great. So um, where, what part of this great continent do you come from? I'm, uh, I live in Adelaide, so mm. South Australia's home, and uh, uh, born and grew up in the lower part of South Australia. Oh, okay, fantastic. Well, in, of course, in Adelaide there, we, um, our li- we, we, we go live there in Adelaide, so. Oh, fantastic. Hello, everyone home in Adelaide. I'll be home soon. (laughs) Fantastic. Okay, so you've come here to Big Camp uh, because we're actually recording this session at Big Camp, and uh, even though you'll be hearing a little bit later on. But uh, what was it that brought you here? Oh, my friend uh, Darren Pratt, both Darren and I are involved in um, children's ministry, and so we've met each other over the years, and Darren said, look, we've got the biggest camp ever. You've got to come to Big Camp. And I said, well, okay, if you'll have me, I'll come along. Okay, so for all of those of you who missed out on Big Camp this year, don't miss out next year, particularly if you are, have a family with children. Is that the moral yes, of the story yeah, bring here? them along. Bring all your kids, your grandparents, your friends, relatives, people you've met for the first time. Bring them to Big Camp. It's big. It's good. Fantastic. Now, as a uh, you, you, okay, so you grew up in the southern part of South Australia. And do you come from a Christian family? Um, when I was born, no. So um, when I was, uh, my mum went to church every second or third week. My okay. dad darkened the door of the church the day he was married and didn't go back. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, like a typical Aussie home. It it, it was, and uh, he, he had no um, no Christian background at all. So um, then, when I was about eight or not, probably about nine, mum started acting religious as if God was real, which was a shock, but I could handle that with mum. But then my dad, something happened in dad, and when your dad starts um, acting as if there's another being out there and is real, that starts your thinking even when you're 10 or 11 years old. Mm. So that was that was a change for me. So I've got to see what it is being in a, a fantastic um, non-Christian uh culture and home and then the change into uh, a Christian one what do you think made it with, made that change with your dad um, it was he was he's a he's a fantastic man and a community man he was a pharmacist involved in everything in town and then he started seeing these changes in mum and his other friends and things were go things were going on and he just couldn't understand it and this mm-hmm. was over about a two or three year period Mm -hmm. but one of the instances was he went along one night to a a coffee um a a coffee club night run a meeting for a coffee club in our town run by the church and my dad went along because he didn't want my mum to get too much more involved in running the thing she was doing enough she's a a busy person (laughs) okay so he's gonna go he's gonna go to church to stop his wife from going to church oh basically he went along to the meeting like they loved having him at meetings because he was he was great at organising, ordering and input. And he was sitting there and at the end of the meeting, the, the church minister said, I'm just going to pray. And then he just prayed one of those prayers that we always pray in church and wrap it on and prayed this prayer. And my dad was aware. He knew that 
even maybe more than the person who was praying that they were communicating mm-hmm. with someone other than themselves and it floored him. So he was well aware that everything had opened up. So that was the first point that um, he thought, yes, this is, this is real, this is mm-hmm. real. Yeah, And that's fantastic because I think that um, we really underestimate the influence of dads when dads give yeah. their hearts to God and the influence that that has on children, particularly boys. Oh, I was I was incredibly lucky. So there's three boys in my family. I'm the middle one um, at about 18 months between us. But um, And we had f- a fantastic – like dad was fantastic, um, but he was out every night at the week doing stuff in the community and um, quite, quite busy. But when – when he became a, a Christian, one of the things that happened is he thought, right, I'm going to quit a lot of the things that I'm doing in the community just so I can spend more time with my kids. And we saw, I saw his faith go from zero, so mm-hmm. nothing, to growing. And I saw my dad going from someone who became a, a, a teacher. So he, he'd never done preaching or teaching. He wasn't, he wasn't a secular teacher, but God gave him this gift. So I saw him growing in his faith, and so that took us along, uh, along with him. So mm. my faith is formed by both of my parents, but I feel incredibly lucky to have um, really, r- really gone with my father's faith, developed my own, but it was shaped. It was shaped by him. So mm. I'm. I, I don't realize how much I really owe to my dad and to my mum as well for their for their faith. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Praise God. Now, you've uh, at some point become involved in children's ministry. Did you start out like, were you a teacher or what's your, no, what's your background? No, no, no. Uh, my background. So um, when, oh, how far do I go back? And I just <laughs> need to say to our listeners that I'm sitting across the table from somebody yes. who you only just have to look at him and you know, this guy's going to be great with kids. Oh, great. <laughs> oh, that, that's good. So I'm trained... Um, I'm actually trained as a, as a church pastor, as a Baptist pastor, yep. and the reason I went to Bible college is because I I wanted to be a missionary. We, we got all our teaching when uh, my parents were converted. We lived halfway between Melbourne and Adelaide, so that all the missionaries travelling between those two places, they'd stop at our place, and so I got my view, if you're following Jesus... You're, if you mean it, you're on the mission field by 22 and preferably with a tribe who've never heard of Jesus. So I had that in Fantastic. my mind. And that, that cross-cultural thing, it all shaped and that was part of what it took me into nursing and then later on um, into Bible college. But in as I came out, just some changes, I ended up, I was pastoring church, I think I'll be in cross-cultural work later on. But the way I always communicated was by drawing and story. So I've always been a storyteller. I've been able to draw since before I can remember in a way that people would look at and laugh. And I, I don't know why I'm not the world's best drawer. Yeah. So I, once of, I, had, I just get this yeah. impression that um, that this is your skill set. Just uh, it is it is written all over your face. It, it, it's <laughs> funny. Like everyone's got their skills, yeah. and um, like so I can't preach like normal people preach. But I have this skill set where I can tell a story. I can draw a little bit better than most seven-year-olds, and um, <laughs> I like that. And somehow uh, that that comes together. And so when I combine um, telling a, a biblical story, so using my background and my training, but then shaping it, and in a way that uh, not just will work for kids, I'm interested in everyone. Yep. And often something's so complex, so complex that no one can understand any age unless it's just a story. So that's why I, I use stories. Oh, amazing. Yeah. So um, now you, you, you trained as a Baptist minister. Did, have you ever just like pastored a regular church? Somewhere? Yes, yes. So I've um, 
And while I was uh, training, ours was a five-year training, and about three or four of those I was working alongside a minister in a church. Then I spent uh, seven years uh, the main pastor of one church, and then four or five years pastoring uh, our inner city Baptist church that mm-hmm. um, uh, that formed and is there for people who are on the streets, homeless, people doing it tough. So, but that's a whole other yep. story. Yep. That, yeah, that's sure, my sure. other world. Okay, <laughs> so, so that's your other world. So, <laughs> yeah, so you can, you can do interview. more than just draw and tell stories then? Oh, uh, yes, yeah. I've got a wide, I don't know if you call it a skill set, maybe um, I'm easily distracted, but yeah. <laughs> easily. I'm, I'm just passionate. There's things that I'm passionate about and um, one of the things Jesus has put inside of me is this care and this just that the right thing should be done by other people and, yep. and by, by by animals and creation, everything. But just and so since I was little, when I'm seeing the wrong thing done by people, it, it's just really riled me. And and so that's taken me often down the track in and going, how do we help those who who you look at society and just go, no, this isn't right. Mm-hmm. It should be functioning better yeah. for, for yeah. people, yes. So I try to draw and, and get I get those things across in stories too, I hope. Fantastic. Okay, so um, sitting on the table right here in front of me is a pile of books. Oh, they look wonderful, Lyle. They do. There's a Lost Sheep series, isn't yes, it? They all yeah. say Lost Sheep on the top of them. And uh, like in a little um, thought bubble kind of, or speech bubble. Yes. And I can see, are these all your drawings? Yes, yes. So, um, so you've illustrated all these books yourself? Yes, so I, 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 I write and illustrate. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the really cool looking, like the, um, the look of the book I have from my uh, graphic design friend, Sam and Simon, who if you're going to have something look fantastic, you need people doing what they're doing. Yep. And so they make my rubbish look good. Okay, so this, is, so this is your rubbish that he's made look good? Yes, yes. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's what I reckon. Your, your rubbish looks pretty good to me. <laughs> <I> think, <yeah. laughs> okay, so tell us about this uh, this particular series of books that you've got here. I, I believe I've seen these these books pop up in our children's stories at, uh, at my church at Maitland. So I hope um, so. Yeah, I'm sure. I have. Um, what inspired this particular series, and what are they all about? Oh, so what inspired it was uh, when I was at Bible College. I was, I was in, I think, first year Bible College back in eighty eight or eighty nine, something like that. And uh, a team of us was asked to go out to the biggest Baptist church in Adelaide to do um, to, to take the worship. And because I was the youngest on the team, I had to do the dreaded children's tour. <laughs> and I get there, and I'm a country kid, so like the church I came from, you know, 25 people, a couple of chooks and a dog lying there. Um, so that's yep. that's the sort of church I was from. And you, you and your brothers were the only children there, was that? Yeah, kind of oh, was? no, there's a few others, but it was pretty small. Sure. But uh, And I just thought, well, what can I do? I know I can draw a sheep, that's my one skill set. And I looked in the Bible and, oh, yeah, there's this sheep story. Yep. So I drew about six pictures. It's actually a good start for, yes. a, for, for, for a Bible illustrator because, yep. you know, there's a lot actually, there's actually a lot about sheep. You know, we, it's, we all like sheep. It's very handy. They're right through the Bible. I've actually drawn up the uh, shepherds in the Old Testament, New Testament. You can't move very far in the Bible without running into some Yeah, because all of the great heroes the are shepherds, aren't they? That's it, yes, yeah. So, um, yeah. yeah, so uh, there's um, – yeah, you've got – so even like Cain and Abel, you've got shepherds. Yep. You've got Abraham, Lot, and his uh, Abraham's son, Moses, shepherd, all David. Three, yeah, and Moses and his wife, Zipporah. Yep. Uh, shepherds, there's a shepherd romance story. If you like a shepherd romance story, have a look in Exodus. There's one there. So they're shepherd, all shepherds. A shepherd romance story. Yes, yeah. 
We we have um, you know our quiz question of the day, and maybe I'm thinking we should put I'd this one as a quiz question. I'd sneak that one in. Oh, yes, see, right See if through. you can give us a call on one eight hundred three two four eight four three if you can tell us what the shepherd romance story from the yeah. Book of Exodus is. David Hosea, you just can't move for shepherds in the Old Testament. Get into the New Testament. And they're, you know, they're, they're jumping out all over the place. Yeah, so, so Jesus is talking about sheep a lot. So, yes, I was lucky I could draw a sheep. So I get to this church. I've got my um, – now, all of you out there listening, you probably don't remember overhead projectors, those things with – you put the plastic I can, I can remember them. So <laughs> Not I, the other people can. I drew drawn up about – you see them in museums. I'd drawn up about six pictures and I stood up in front of this huge crowd. It was one of these warehouse churches where you can't see the last person. It just – goes off to the back, look to the left, to the right, there's just people everywhere. And I stood up and I put one picture and said, once there was a shepherd and everyone started laughing and moving, oh, this is good. And I put my <laughs> next, next slide down, now upside down, turn it around, right way up. And I say, and he had a sheep. And I sort of just told this story and I knew something was going on. Yeah. I realised I had a gift. Yes. Uh, and I realised um, the power of story. And for adults, I don't remember actually the kids there, but I remember the men. Yep. The men were listening. I thought, wow, if men are taking interest in church, something's good. And out of that, I knew I need, I have this gifting. So I thought, I need to produce resources to put in the hands of others. So I kept handing my stories out to other friends and pastors and students and teachers. And um, that developed from there. But it wasn't until 2005 with a, uh, another friend of mine, uh, we pulled it all together to create Lost Sheep. And with, and our, what we say is when Jesus wanted to change lives, he told stories. Absolutely. So that's what we do at Lost Sheep. And some of our stories are about Jesus, some are by Jesus, but all of them point to Jesus. Yes. And so what we do is put these resources in the hands of people who are with kids or adults, and then they can use these resources to build the faith of, of kids. So it's about me producing something. That's my job, handing it to other members of the body who are experts with kids or feel like they're doing it for the first time or aren't sure. And so, yep, we can run with these and use them. Nice. So, that's what I try to do. Yeah, fantastic. And I'm just looking at this one here oh. called Cecil the Lost Sheep. It was yes. on top of the pile. Yes, yeah. And I have seen this one come up in our children's story oh, at uh, my church in Maitland. And uh, they are just amazingly illustrated and quite humorous. Um, and they definitely catch the, the, the attention of the kids when they're being told. Yes, you yeah. Know, uh, we get a whole bunch of kids down the front. They're always, you know, looking at it. And uh, now I'm just looking on the back here, lostsheep.com.au. Yes, yeah, go to, go to that. Yeah, if you go to lostsheep.com.au, as Lyle said, and on the website you can actually download the stories that has the digital form so you can pull it up like a PowerPoint yes. and then you can print off a little prompt booklet that has the words and so you can tell the story and you have the book the pitch on the screen without any words and you can just tell it using the prompt booklet and tell it to your kids to adults whatever's going on Fantastic. Andrew, it has been so good having you on the show today. I wish we had time to talk more about this, but uh, lostsheep.com.au, go and check it out. We've got some great children's resources for you there. And thank you so much for taking interest in the children. We'll be back with more great pro programming right after this. Thanks, Lyle. <laughs> Stand obey. 
Welcome back, everybody. That was Andy McLeod with Bless the Little Children. And we're just taking a, uh, an extra little segment here because we do have this most important story coming out of Ireland <coughs> about the, mm. um, the legalisation of abortion, otherwise known as mass murder. And I, did, I was taken to task. Mm. over using the term mass murder in, in relationship to abortion. And so uh, for those of you who might be wondering what the definition of mass murder it is, it is uh, murder that is committed either by an individual or an organisation um, involving four or, more per- four or more, more persons with no cooling off period in between. So in other words, a hospital that uh, commits uh, four or more um, abortions with no cooling off period in between is actually committing mass murder by definition. Um, so, Mon, do you know how many? Do you know how many abortions were performed last year? Last how year, many, how many? Would you? How many would you just naturally think? You know, abortions performed. Uh, like at a hospital. Like how many? How many abortions at a hospital? Well, right. well um, I, d- I mean, I don't know. I can. Well, you said. Yeah, what would you? What would you? What it takes would you, what four would you? to be a mass murder, and I reckon maybe a hospital does maybe like uh, two or three a year. Okay, so last year there were 55.7 million abortions. What? Which is more than two, or nearly, I should say, nearly two abortions per second. That's 100. What? Oh, sorry. Yep. yep. Um, that's uh, 152,602 per day on average. That's of like- unborn children being killed. That's like wiping out entire populations. It's genocide is what it is. It's genocide. Um, In comparison, so 55.7 million people died last year as a result of uh, abortions. In comparison to that, um, death as a result of war on average over the last 47 years has only been 114,000 people per year. Oh my you know, and you goodness. think you look at how upset people get when you have a mass murder in a school or something, you know, a school mm-hmm. shooting or something mm-hmm. like that, which we've had a number of in the United States mm-hmm. recently, and, and and the demonstrations from one side of the country to the other, and you look at the United States, and this, you, you know, there's some things about that we scratch their heads there, but in the United States, nearly half of all pregnancies are unintended. Uh-huh. Four out of ten of these are terminated by abortion, with over three thousand abortions. Per day, twenty-two percent of all pregnancies in the USA, excluding miscarriages, end in abortion. This is like a horror movie, and this is in a world and in a society where prevention is the easiest thing ever. Oh, we've never had it. This easier. is purely irresponsibility. Now, I do need to say something um, in favour of all of those mothers out there who have had an abortion mm-hmm. and are feeling terrible about it. You need to come to Jesus because He will give you forgiveness. He loves you. He will never. He will never forsake you. He mm. will never stop loving you, and he will forgive you for for uh, you know for for what has taken place. I I understand there are some terrible, terrible circumstances out there. I get that, but that doesn't justify taking human life. And I think the other thing, Mon, that we need to take into consideration is the human impact on mothers. Yeah, this is uh, this is a huge one. People seem to think, oh, you know, it, the pregnancy was a problem so we just removed the problem and that was, you know, the story. Yeah. It's never as a, as I said in Ireland story. went out had a couple of drinks and had a bit of a cry and moved on. Which is actually that a disgraceful thing to say that because it never happens. So many so many um, you know, could have been mothers who, you know, people women who have abortion end up with actually quite severe mental um uh, you know, you have a massive cost factors. in depression and suicide, uh-huh. you know, sometimes 
not coming through until 20, 30 or even 40 years down the track. And because guilt, you know, is such a massive factor as well. And Which is why Jesus is so important because Jesus can take away your guilt. Mm-hmm. And this is something we really need to, you know, emphasize this morning is that if you're struggling with guilt or if you're struggling with depression or, you know, really negative thoughts in relationship to anything that you've done, the answer is to come to Jesus where you can find freedom from that. Yeah, well, what do you what do you think women should do? Woman, a woman who's found herself pregnant, you know, and doesn't want the baby, you know, what are her options? You know, there are a number of different options out there. I know, and I was as I was mentioning before, you know, just some amazing families that would desperately want to have children mm. that can't, yeah, and can do an amazing job of raising children. There is always a better option than murder. Mm. Absolutely. There is always a better option. And so if this is something that you're struggling with right now, um, I understand there's some, you know, there's some really terrible things out there, but there is a light at the end of the tunnel and there is always a better option out there. And isn't it just an amazing example that we should be following God's original plan? Um, you know, if we'd not been having sex before marriage, we wouldn't have this.